0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Welcome back to the Startup The Year Podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup The Year community and this very podcast. We are in episode 115, that's right, on the Startup The Year Podcast. And on this episode, we're going to highlight a conversation with uh, basically some group, uh, some folks that are part of our startup community. They are startup investors. So this investor conversation was led by our own established co-CEO Jen Consalvo. It happened at a pitch event a few months ago, and we're excited to bring it back and highlight the great conversation that was had. It includes Dana Goldstein, who's the chief investment officer at Halcyon and the co-managing director at Halcyon Fund, as well as Phoebe Van Vier- Van Duren, who's also in the panel. She's the uh, principal and investment manager at Halcyon, and she's responsible for the end-to-end process of social impact investing through their three capital vehicles, which include a VC fund, uh, Angel Network, and micro loan fund. So very interesting stuff there. And then we also had another guest as well, including Olivia Goldstein. No relation to the other Goldstein, but uh, and not a, need, not a need to have the Goldstein name to be on this session. Just happened to be coincidental. And she's actually uh, participating as well. She was a vice president at Start Fast Ventures. So excited to have this going here in a minute, led by Jen Consalvo from our team. But before we jump in, I wanted to first celebrate. It's time to celebrate a company in our community. We always like to shine a light on a company that's doing well and uh, love bringing these these shout outs to light. So, first off, let's give our attention to Keepers. They are an all in one app providing full household management. So, think of you're like renting your house, a short term rental situation. Um, They actually integrate directly with. Uh, Airbnb and VRBO in, in the calendars and you can actually make the reservations for your house cleaning right in there uh, it's got job notifications it's over sent over to the housekeeping uh, housekeeper users and uh, and voila you've got you've got your cleaning services ready to go they're going to help clean your short-term rental on the spot right so it helps with that that management set set up so if you want to learn more about it go over to us. Keepers.com, So uskeepers.com and learn more. All right, now let's jump into that conversation with those investors led by Jen Consalvo on our team. Take it away.
0: Let's uh, let's first welcome back Dana and Phoebe, uh, both from Halcyon. We'd like to welcome them back to the stage. And joining these two incredible investors, we would like to welcome Olivia Goldstein. So Olivia is the Vice President at Startfast Ventures. She's an exited tech founder with 10 years of experience working in and with B2B software companies. She's advised international companies on US market entry strategies. She also co-founded Rehike, a marketing software for brands to find and work with influencers and brand ambassadors and ultimately led it through to its acquisition by a Syracuse Group in
2: 2019.
0: Welcome, Olivia.
2: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So um, I'd love to just get this conversation started by going around the horn and just hearing a little bit about maybe some of the companies you've invested in or your approach to investment. Um, So maybe we could start. I'm just going to go from who I see on the screen. We could start with Dana. Dana.
3: Thanks, Jen. Um, so, just a quick bit of background about Halcyon. Halcyon is an early stage incubator uh, based in Georgetown and Washington, DC. We've been incubating impact driven funds, uh, sorry, impact driven companies uh, since 2014. So, we've attracted entrepreneurs from around the world. Um, and uh, the companies that we have incubated uh, and then that we invest in on the back end, and uh, we have both a, a small fund and an angel network um, as vehicles to, to direct capital into ventures. Um, We uh, outperform the industry average in terms of the amount of capital that we're putting into women-led companies. So everything that we do has an impact component. Um, As it turns out, and sort of not surprisingly, companies that are tackling big problems that people are experiencing are actually disproportionately led by the people who are experiencing those problems. So when you're thinking about gaps in ecosystems, gaps in access, those companies tend to be disproportionately led by women uh, and by, by BIPOC founders. Uh, so, you know, happy to talk about some of the specific investments that we've made, um, but looking at our, our fund, for example, uh, over 60% of the capital that we've invested has been into women-led companies, uh, as opposed to the, the numbers that we've all heard about 2% of capital uh, in, on average in, in VC going into women-led companies.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Dana. Um, Phoebe. I
4: am also on the Halcyon team, so I won't repeat. Um, our investment thesis, but what I can speak to is some examples of the incredible women founders that we have in our portfolio. Um, Our most recent investment was in a company called Outline, um, founded by Sydney Montgomery, um, and it's a platform that leverages AI to improve students writing. Um, We also invested in a company called Medu, um, founded by Tammy Cheo, um, which is creating reusable surgical gowns to drastically reduce medical waste. So our investments really run the gamut in terms of industries. Um, And we have incredible, you know, women founders
0: across the board. And Olivia, can you tell us a little bit about your funds and, and some, maybe some of the investments or your approach?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I am, I'm relatively new to venture. So I, I, Um, Start Fast as a fund was actually one of my investors in my company, as you heard. I I previously started my own company. Um, So we were a portfolio company um, out of Fund One. We're currently investing out of Fund Two. And just uh, Fund One was a little bit different because it was an accelerator program. So the way we approached in the stage at which we invested was a little bit different than where where we're operating now. But I will say uh, on the... um, investing in underrepresented founders piece, uh, that's something that's always been critical to um, the the managing partners of our fund. So, for example, out of Fund One, over 70% of our investments were um, in companies that were led by founders that were either women, um, BIPOC, or otherwise underrepresented founders, so it's something that's always been important to to our team as we're looking at making investments. So for fund two, we're primarily investing in seed and Series A. A companies um, B two B SaaS is really where we feel strongest and where we, we where we uh, spend most of our time. And our unique thesis is really just investing in companies that are outside of major VC hubs. So how we define that is primarily U uh, S based, just because we are we we still are a micro fund. Mm-hmm. So primarily U S based, um, anywhere outside of Bay Area, Boston, and New York City. So we're early into fund two. We've made five coming up on six investments so far. And half of those have had, um, you know, female or uh, women uh, in founder, as founders.
0: Awesome. Great. Thank you, Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've all heard the numbers for those in the audience who might not be as familiar. We know that a very small, like minuscule percentage of all U.S.-based venture investments go to women-led startups. Um, and then later into that, if you're a woman of color, it's it's even more dismal. The numbers are not great out there. But we've been hearing now for years, right, like all these calls to action for investors to be, um, and LPs, right, to care more about and and to invest time and efforts into investing in more uh, women-led startups. So i just love to start this off with um, any other trends that we're seeing right now with In the venture community, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? Do you feel uh, generally optimistic about where we're heading right now? Um, Do you feel like we've, have we started and stopped? Where, where are we in this? Because some of us have really been, um, you know, especially I would say since 2019, 2020 in particular, really laser focused on this.
2: Uh, and this for any of you I'm, I'm happy to kick this off. So I have I, my I, my perspective is a little bit unique because, as I mentioned, I was a founder before. So I'm very familiar with the challenges that that come with being a, a founder and being a female founder and trying to fundraise. So when I was trying to raise in in 2016. Virtually, the, the the options that were available to female founders were essentially non-existent. I was constantly combating a lot of challenges and a a lot of I, I guess, um, inherent bias against investing in in um, companies that were led by women. So that's I, I I totally recognize that that is definitely a a challenge that I've I felt personally as well. I I am optimistic honestly because I do think while. The figures are still not quite, you know, on a, in a macro sense where we want them to be. I think it is changing, and in, in in hopefully for the better because we are seeing more funds being populated that are um, both led by um, by women GPs. We're seeing more women getting getting engaged at the LP level and investing in funds, and really, I think a lot of um, VC funds are now kind of reassessing. Where they should be deploying their dollars, as they see. I mean, it's you know the the, the, the stats show that um, companies led by female founders tend to have better returns for investors. So being able to be more building that really into their 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 um, sourcing and their diligence process, as and being mindful of that, um, I think is something that a lot of funds are actually paying attention to more. And that's not even to mention the number of new groups that have popped up to um, that are just like kind of more strictly focused on investing in in specific categories, but that we still have a long way to go. Right. I mean, this isn't I mean, I think we all knew that this wasn't going to be something that was going to change overnight. But I think if you kind of pull yourself back and look at where we've come in in the past five years, I'm hopeful that it's it's changing in the right direction and just as kind of another note i'll just kind of throw out there too i know um, there's lots of reports that come out every year on this on the the number of dollars that are deployed to to female founders and i know for example PitchBook does one every year and um from if you look at 2021 which was kind of peak you know dollars being deployed into to companies um, versus 2022, when things started kind of to teeter off a lot, you know, if you look at the number of um, companies that were founded by um, women that were able to raise dollars, it was essentially flat, um, the, the growth of how many were funded, which seems at surface level like a bad thing. But if you kind of look at it from the flip side, that is almost a a good thing because it in 2022 was a really difficult year for a lot of companies to fundraise and women were still pushing through and still able to maintain and, 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 and fundraise without having that impact, you know, the, the macro statistics. So I'm, I'm hopeful, but I know that there's a long way to go. Curious what you guys think too. Yeah, I think,
4: um, you know, especially in times of economic uncertainty, there may be investors that tend towards pattern matching or investing where they feel safe. Maybe they feel mm-hmm. investing in, in women founders is high risk. Um, but I'll, what I'll say anecdotally is that I feel like there's an increased number of investors focused on equity and inclusion, You know whether that's investing in women founders, founders of color, companies that impact either of those demographic um, or the intersection of them. Um, and I think a big push on kind of each stage of the pipeline to increase the number of women in check writing positions. So whether that's, you know, educating women, um, high net worth women about angel investing opportunities and trying to pull more more women into the earliest stages of a company and, you know, women who have been, you know, through their own career path are probably more likely to invest in other women founders who share similar experiences to them, Um, as well as Olivia, to what you were saying, more women being pulled into positions of check writing power in, in funds themselves. So I don't think the stats are great, but hopefully there's kind of a lag from a lot of the tactical steps that are being taken today to maybe in a few years, we'll see that number jump up quite a bit, hopefully.
3: I'm not sure I have anything particularly different to, to add, but just uh, I, I think I'm pessimistic in the short term and very optimistic in the long term. Um, and to Phoebe's point, you know, I, I think uh, history has shown that there's sort of a regression to the mean uh, in times of economic uh, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think, you know, and we saw this towards the end of, of 22 in terms of the, the hard numbers. Um, but, you know, the, the number of new funds being established is significant. Uh, There is a a dramatic increase in uh, in new funds being raised. Uh, While it's certainly more challenging for women to raise new funds, um, there are a lot of emerging managers, uh, both women and uh, not women, who are really focused on inclusive investing. We're seeing that very much as a theme that's emerging when we talk to other investors, certainly in the D.C. ecosystem, but but broadly as well. Uh, And, you know, just to, to sort of pile on one additional sort of soft data point, we're certainly seeing in our angel network that there is an increase in the percentage of our members who are, are women. So people who are coming into angel investing who maybe historically have not seen themselves as such. The representation facet of things really matters. Uh, and as a, a, you know, a woman who, who raised as well um, for my first company, um, being in rooms where you're the only woman in the room as the person who's pitching. Is not awesome on a number of levels, uh, but we're seeing that change. So the representation all around really, really matters and uh, makes me hopeful and optimistic in the long run. So, so what I
0: take away from this is really over the past couple of years is what we've seen is sort of a laying laying of the groundwork, right? And some seeds that are starting to hopefully be planted and take hold. And hopefully over the next several years, because you know, Phoebe, to your point, there's there's probably this lag. Right. So over the next several years, we'll hopefully start to see more of the fruits of that, that labor, um, and hopefully it'll just continue to, to snowball from there. Um, so, you know, if I'm a, a female founder now, um, how does how do I think about the funding? And this goes into a bigger question, right, because that, that we can dive into more. You know, we've had uh, an incredibly, I think, sort of chaotic Uh, ecosystem now for a number of years kicked off in 2020 continuing on just recently we just mentioned earlier you know everything going on in the banking system SVB crypto AI it's there's a lot happening a lot for um, a new founder particularly to consider as they go into the the fundraising mode Um, how can they prepare and especially as a a woman founder um, How should, what, how should they look at the market? How should they even approach their fundraising right now?
3: It's a a complicated question, you know, and so much of investing at the super early stage is is relationship driven. Uh, You know, a lot of the investment decisions that we make as the seed and pre-seed funders is investing in the founder. Uh, And there are a lot of barriers to founders getting in front of the right investors. Uh, so my my not super helpful answer is network, 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 network. Um, there are increasing opportunities and we're certainly seeing things open back up. Um, it sort of feels funny to to say that this, we're still in this like early post-COVID era, but I do think we're still sort of early post-COVID and that things are sort of starting to happen in person again. There are more networking opportunities. Um, but just getting in front of a lot of folks, you know, I think one of the things that early stage founders, I think sometimes don't lean into as much as they could is that people genuinely want to help. Certainly not everybody, but a lot of people that you talk to as a founder really do want to help. If they're not in a position to write a check, that's okay. They may know somebody who's in a position to write a check. And a lot of what founders, I think, need to be doing, certainly early in the fundraising process, but it doesn't stop, is networking, 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 talking to as many people as possible, establishing relationships, and then cultivating those relationships over the time. One of the best things that founders can do if they meet somebody who could be in a check writing position in six months is to say, this is what I'm going to accomplish in the next six months. And then I'm updates every month or every two months saying, this is what I've accomplished. This is how we're still on track. Oh, we're not on track on this thing, but here's what we've learned. And here's how we're pivoting. Being able to demonstrate that you're able to execute goes a tremendously long way. And one dirty little secret about underrepresented founders, Underrepresented founders, on average, build much more capital efficient businesses because they have to, because they don't have as easy access to capital. Capital efficient businesses, particularly in challenging economic times, are super attractive. So that is the thing to lean into.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Dana. And I'm, I'm glad you said that. I mean, in general, the advice I give to all founders right now is... The best source of capital is paying customers i mean i i I, it is a really 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 tough fundraising environment right now i mean we're we're actively deploying capital but i know some of our portfolio companies from from fund one as well like are just really struggling to to kind of get over that that hurdle of raising capital regardless of you know what the circumstances are so that's always my advice to to early stage founders no matter what that you know just always kind of being capital efficient and focusing on your customers first, it's, it's just going to help you in the long run on your journey. Um, but I will say to the point of, you know, from female fo- women as founders and, and other underrepresented groups that are trying to fundraise and how to really stand out is it's, it's difficult because at the end of the day, it is it's very relationship driven and often those groups of people don't always have that that community and that network to lean on, um, to ask for, for help. You know, and this is part of the reason why I think it's, I, I'm optimistic that it's getting better because I think we've started as, you know, collectively as a group to make this noise and draw attention to like, hey, this is a problem. Like th- these are, uh, there's large, you know, groups of people that are not getting that are being overlooked for funding opportunities just because of who they are, right? And it's like, why is that happening? So I do think now that there's a lot more um, opportunities and in, in communities of people that are dedicated to really helping, you know, um, extend their networks to, to make those um, strategic introductions. So just really not being afraid to kind of put yourself out there and, and just ask for help when you need it or ask for an introduction, so that would be my my advice.
4: Baby, do you have anything to add? I think the, the only thing I'd add is um, to Olivia's point. You know, don't be afraid to do cold outreach to folks on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, if you see funds that tend to invest in women, they'll probably also be super open to meeting you. Um, so I think, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Um, I think some things we see perhaps more often from women founders, especially when they're pitching is that they're super realistic, which is great. You know, as a founder, you want to be able to have a lot of realism in there, but also don't sell yourself short. Um, And I think we tend to see that more often from women founders. Um, So I think, you know, have a lot of confidence in yourself. You know your business better than anyone. And you want to also portray you know the best case scenario along with probably the more realistic case so um I think hype yourself up a little bit and kind of build that into your pitch as well that's so true I'm glad you said that
0: <laughs> there's a, a book I don't know if you can see it behind me somewhere it's called brag better uh by mm-hmm. Meredith Feynman good book for for maybe some founders to uh to to give a read. Um, And I'm also going to give a little plug for non-dilutive funding. If it's right for your company, Um, you know, $4 billion America seed Fund, something to take a look at uh, and consider, especially if you're, um, if you're still developing your technology, if there's some technology risk that uh, you feel like you have to get over a certain hurdle before investors will really come in and and be ready to write a check. Um, That's something to consider. Um, we only have a minute left, and I just wanted to maybe touch on one or two other things. Uh, Ken, maybe just a, a quick round of what do you uh, look for most in your founders and founding teams uh, when you're you know, really considering somebody for an investment?
2: Um. This is, this is yeah so we I we we aren't afraid to invest in in first-time founders and since the nature of the geographies of where we invest that tend to be the types of, of founders we invest in so we like founders that have really deep expertise in their fields um, we like founders that have a good makeup and leadership so like someone that's kind of can really take ownership of of the sales and the, the customer relationship someone that is maybe more on the technical side uh, someone that has a good understanding and grasp on. Sometimes it could be the same person too on, on managing finances. So just having a good, a good, solid team, uh, and then just some early traction, whether that's um, you know in terms of, of revenue, in terms of good product market fit. Uh, and since we, when we invest, we typically we we like to work closely with our founders so we do lead rounds so with that sometimes we we take um like we'll we'll look for a board seat too so we like to work with companies that we think we can really be a value added partner with through through our network as well
4: maybe hit on some of the softer skills that we look for i think we really look for a coachable founder someone who is open to feedback, they can pivot when needed, you know, recognize the challenges that they face as a leader, and kind of build a team around them that um, has a lot of strengths and, and complements them really well as a founder. Um, and I think someone who is also quite resilient, and you'll come across a lot of challenges as you grow and scale a company, and someone who's able to persevere and really use those challenges to their advantage.
3: And just to build on a couple of quick things, all of those points are, are absolutely right on. Uh, at Halcyon, we're entirely focused on impact driven businesses. So we're looking for a company that is solving a big problem and that in solving that big problem, they are going to scale to venture type returns. So we're look, really looking for companies that are tackling a big problem in a big market in a way that can grow significantly, uh, have a lot of impact in the process, but also uh, you know have a business model that really scales. Um, I will say as well that we're really we dig a lot into um, the assumptions that underlie the whatever the business model is. We really want to understand how founders are thinking about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. That helps give us a sense both on the kind of the coachability piece of things as we're engaging with founders, um, but uh, with super early stage companies, the things that companies think are going to happen in the next little while are almost entirely wrong almost every time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And just the the nature of being a really early stage company, things will happen in the market. So really understanding what makes the founder tick and what makes the company tick so that we can work with the founder. We similarly like getting really engaged with founders. We really like being value-add to to adapt as the company evolves and as it reacts to whatever happens in the market.
0: Well, I think that's a really great note to end on. I wanna thank you all.
1: All right. Hopefully, you learned something from that investor crew. Uh, I always like to have these these uh, these events because you do learn different things about about what the funds are looking for, what they're seeing in the market, all that sort of, of stuff. As well as um, obviously, there was a pitch event before where we had some great companies share their uh, share their stories and and more or less hopefully build connections. So hopefully, you found the conversation helpful. And if you did, please um, look out for additional events like this over at startupofyear.com. Um, we'll be sharing some things coming soon and, uh, obviously stay tuned with the podcast if you, if you liked it. And we appreciate if you share, we feel like it would help, you know, others, you know, if, you know, if you could help spread the word. So sharing is caring. So thank you so much in advance. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you found it interesting and, uh, thank you again for listening. If you have a startup idea, and you want to get it started, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Get it started. And in doing so, we encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, and all the resources you might need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupreview.com and applying. Or I'll give you the short link, save you a lot of time. Go to S-O-T-Y dot L-I-N-K forward slash apply. S-O-T-Y dot L-I-N-K, L-I-N-K forward slash apply. S-O-T-Y dot link forward slash apply. It's pretty simple to join. It's free. We've got lots of great things happening. So please do join us. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones out there and good luck starting up. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.